For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The world, let's dive on into the number one morning show right here, pre-market prep to get you guys ready for the markets. Today, we got the overnight action, Fed outlook. We'll touch the earnings that are hitting the tape. Tesla news Economic data coming out at 8.30. We got PPI, jobless claims, initial jobless claims. We'll also, of course, have our guests on today, Blue Putnam, Managing Director and Chief Economist at CME Group. Hit the thumbs on up. Let's get it started. And welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. Let's go ahead. Let's get it started. We're going to bring on Joel Alconin, Dennis Dick. And I got to say, before we even go into the futures, the call of the year yesterday, but my man, Joel Alconin, uh, you, you weren't getting that conversation yesterday. And Joel, just on point there. And what was that comment, Joel? Ah, uh, well, uh, it was yesterday's comment. And I said, I thought they'd buy the dip. Uh, they did, but uh, we'll have to see. I don't know if I'm going to make that brave of a call today as the futures are now breaching that low from yesterday down 55.75 at uh, 37.49. So just a week close, a week final hour, a week 10 minutes. They're out there hitting it after hours. And uh, now, now we're in trouble. Last week's low, 37.44. And just bad earnings, bad bank earnings is what's doing it. So we'll see uh, uh, maybe get a whisker of hope from the PPI. But uh, if it's anything like the CPI, uh, we don't, shouldn't have high expectations. Uh, crude working its way toward the 80 handle, down 235 at 93.95. Gold has its mind set in the 1600 handle, down 2490 at 1710.60. Silver down 62 cents at uh, 1857. Bitcoin up $70, 19,685. I don't know where we're going to stop quoting Bitcoin, doesn't move. And Ethereum, it's up a couple bucks at 1077.50. Well, Triple D, we've looked at the banks and we've looked at the price action and we're like, they're not rallying. There's nothing good. They'd even bounce off the lows and, uh, now, now we know the reason why we got we got some bad bank earnings to talk about. Yeah, but this is the earnings season we're going to go into. None of the earnings are going to be good. I mean, we were gifted last earnings season because it was before the really the rate hikes started. Stuff's slowing down, 
So it's going to be this earnings season. It's going to be the response to the earnings that is going to be more important. And we have not seen the response yet. Just because a stock goes down three bucks in the pre-market, just like Micron, I want to see where these are in a couple of days. If they continue to smack them, if they're going to smack stocks on bad earnings and continue to smack them, we're in a world of uh, trouble. But if we can pull a Micron, that's what we need to see. We've got to see them come in and buy the dips on the disappointing earnings. And that's what we have to see. And that's when we know we're safer. I've added to my long-term portfolio. I'm down to 32% cash. The simple reason is that got to start slowly getting back in there. I mean, there's a lot of risk. I mean, stocks stop at zero. There's a lot of stuff that's down 50% from the highs. So again, I've been picking on tech. I haven't bought any banks yet. Kind of want to buy the banks eventually, but they're like ground zero for a recession. Mm-hmm. So that's where the trouble's going to start too. So, but let's go in, Mitch. Jump into. We might as well do J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley together, uh, because uh, this is uh, what's driving the market at least this morning. All right, uh, skipping some topics here, but we'll go down to the earnings. Let's get right into it. J.P.M. is what they want to know. J.P.M. is what we'll get here. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase Q2 earnings per share here at two dollars and seventy six. Missing the $2.91 estimate, sales coming in at $31.63 billion, missing the $31.95 billion. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase said that second quarter profits fell 28% after, of course, uh, what they're doing right now, they're building some reserves for bad loans. J.P. Morgan said in April that it would book a $902 million charge for building credit reserves in the quarter. They also said they were temporarily suspending its share repurchase program. So jump in, Joel, what do you think? I mean, JP Morgan's making a new low on the move. It is the pre-market. It's very important that it gets back up over that 109 yep. and try to hold it because you start making new lows, you got to go. It's what we always talk about. It's the low, low of the move. Uh, you mentioned it previously. That was uh, 109.30. Uh, but we can forget about that right now. Uh, we can look at the pre-market low. The pre-market low is the, has to be defended uh, first and foremost. Because I really can't give you anything. If we, if we go down to the bottom chart here, the bottom right chart, there's nothing in there. And I, I don't want to start talking about under a hundred bucks, right? Ninety-seven eighty-six was your low at back in November, and then it ramped up already through the December low. So market, it, market's going to have to give me a number here, and because I, I don't have one, and right that it's imperative to hold the pre-market low for today, rally a little bit, and then I don't think you can get real thinking that any kind of real bottom until it shows it can at least hold the former low of the move former low of the move is uh 109.30 we just keep leaking here too yeah. and i mean this you know we just lost 50 you know we just lost you know five six seven s&p points in the last five minutes here again it's a really tough market and i mean let's take it back into that for a second we'll hit that top topic there which we did uh go over i mean you look in here it's market you get a nice rally yesterday they bought the dip like we kind of thought they would joel and just overnight they give it all back again and i mean this is the market that it gives you a little glimmer of hope you think maybe this is the turning point and then it pulls the rug out from under you seems like almost immediately it's such a tough market to you just can't get a sustained rally 
And I mean, what's it going to take? I, you, you try to find the silver lining in that jobs report. Bottom line, it was 9.1. The headline number absolutely sucked. But, you know, you, you're trying to find the silver lining and saying we're seeing commodity, um, you know, we're seeing the commodity prices come down around us. We're seeing, you know, stuff slow down. We're seeing inflation that it's not that bad. I, I agree with Kramer. I think it was a peak inflation report, but the market wants to see it in the data. And now we don't get a major data point for another month. So I just don't want to go through another month of pain in the long-term portfolio. It's frustrating as an investor. As a trader, it's a great trading environment. Buy the dip, sell the rip, rinse, repeat. It's been a great trading year. But as an investor, putting the investor hat on, it's frustrating. PPI? I mean, we got that coming out, right? I mean, that's coming out at 830, Dennis. So we'll have to we'll have to get you uh we'll have to get you to go wide on that. I mean it's Let's another point. It's another data it's another point. point. It's more information. That's what this market is. It keeps giving us information. But I'm very scared of this earnings season. And so far, not so good. We just covered JP Morgan, Mitch. Maybe we can jump over to the Morgan Stanley earnings here as well. I mean, we're going to start getting into the thick of it next week. Like, the earnings season's just starting to get kicked off. And again, if they're going to start selling them off on bad earnings, I'm very scared of this earnings season. All right, let's go to Morgan Stanley here. Q2 EPS here, $1.44 down from the $1.89. Uh, and sales were at $13.13 billion down from $14.76 billion year over year. Um, also getting hit. Um, so we're going to continue to watch what happens here. Uh, what do you see on the chart? Little different setup here. I mean, uh, as opposed to the uh, J.P. Morgan, where you're smashing through the low of the move, uh, you have a number here for uh, for this uh, this issue, and at seventy two twenty three. So boom, you almost got to look at it in the pre market. You got the seventy two fifty. It bounced a buck and a half. So there you go. They take it back there, down again. That's the low of the move. So Morgan Stanley looking a little better here, a buck and you know a buck and a half off the low, and not making a new low of the move. So uh, that's you know that's a little bit. That's better the good news. news. The bad news yeah. is it's like a buck off the low of the move. So <laughs> yeah, we're trying to find a reason. Like, it, and, and maybe that's hard. the problem here. Maybe that's the overall problem. Is you know I keep trying to find a reason to be bullish and maybe you know you just try one. to find the reason you just got to go with that like yesterday i kind of liked your theory you know oh yeah silver lining you know maybe you know it was mostly energy that was inflationary and we're seeing those prices come around us and you're trying to read too deep into it but i got to bring it back to the basic theory that the majority of market participants are fairly uninformed mostly dumb money that's you're not talking retail we're talking institutions it's all like they all go on. They're all lemmings. They all just follow the flow. And they're not digging deep and trying to find, you know, reasons for turns. They look at the 9.1 and they're like, holy crap, 9.1 inflation. This Fed plan isn't working. Sell stocks. I mean, simple has always made me money. And I think when I try to get too complicated and trying to get in, trying to read the economic reports and analyze it further, nobody's doing that. They look at the 9.1. They say the number sucks. I'm selling stocks. Well, and that's the, I, where we're at. You know, one of the things that I could point to there is that at least, in, and I've mentioned this to Joel, is like, if I try to focus on all the logic that the market should have, 
that's never when I'm winning the game no. here. <laughs> if you try to make the markets logical, that's just a losing battle, at least of what I've seen in my investment yeah. years. I don't know about you guys. You guys definitely have more experience than I in that. But if I try to make things logical, that's when I'm just completely biased to something that isn't really showing up in the price action. And, and that's and you're absolutely correct, Mitch. The market is irrational. The market is for an lack of a better word stupid it really is like that the, the dumbest theory is that efficient market hypothesis that the market prices mm-hmm. it all in that's got to be the dumbest thing ever created in a finance textbook it is yeah, so exactly wrong what you're because talking about, they, they, they talk that you can't extract alpha from the market you know like you can only get the market returns because the market is so efficient and prices everything in just ridiculously stupid because i wouldn't exist I wouldn't have you know my job for 22 years if that was the case. But it's like that's why simple is better. And when you dig in, the, you know, and there's so many people that want to you know jump in and put a billion technical indicators on their charts. They want to jump in, and then you get the fundamental traders. I don't want to jump into the balance sheets, jump into analyzing all this. And you know what? Extracting alpha from that is really, really, really tough. Keep Let me put simple. A... I've always kept it simple, just with relationships. You know, looking at, well, this is trading up, then this should be trading down. And when I'm trading simple, I'm trading better. And I think my mistake yesterday, and obviously we were right for about 24 hours, Joel, and then they pulled it off. But the mistake yesterday was thinking that the market would actually rationalize the 9.1%. And it's coming in today. And I think they're just selling. Before uh, Joel, you jump in there, I just want to really touch uh, what Dennis just mentioned there, which is EMH, right? Efficient market hypothesis. That's a hypothesis that states that share prices reflect all information that's available. Um, And so I just wanted to kind of touch that because some people might have not read the the textbooks, Dennis. (laughs) Yeah. And I've always, you know, I don't think it was worth it. There's no way that that holds any water. (laughs) It's the inefficient market hypothesis, which would be better. And that is basically that the market price is a nothingness. And that's pretty much what it does. It tries, uh, but it's simple. The market is very simple. It doesn't go in. It's just simple, Simon. You know, like in 2020, 2021, people were just buying stocks. It was FOMO driving it. It was that was it. And now it's not. It's the opposite. People are getting their asses kicked. And I mean, you just go and you ask this, you know, people around, you know, the, the retail traders, but not just retail, institutional traders are getting their butts kicked too. Don't kid yourself. They come on CNBC and say, oh yeah, we sold stocks yesterday. Yeah, well, they won't tell you. No, they're still 99% long. They just tell you they sold a couple stocks. Every institution's buying and selling it every day too. I am doing it as well. You know, I could tell, tell you, oh yeah, I was selling stocks yesterday. I'm buying stocks today. And if it goes up, you know, I could say that because I'm buying and selling stocks. You know, it's not lying. It's just only telling half the truth. But, I mean, this is the, the market that we're in. It's a difficult market environment here right now. We're in a full-fledged bear market. And if anybody catches the turn, it's going to be more luck than skill. What, you know, what you, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but the, the market is not run by people. It is run by computers. Simple. And and with it, simple it, programs. Exactly. They're simple. Exactly. And that's maybe why it's become so simple, Joel. It's a great point. Go, go and, into that. And they're just, you know, they were programmed in, in 21 just, you know, to buy, to buy, to buy, to buy. And they did that, took the market to the top, and then dynamics changed. And now their program 
CPI number over 8.8. Boom, sell, sell, keep selling. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a it's just the way the market is programmed right now. And right now, there's no fundamentals that can really fight that. Now you're getting the you know the earnings. Boom. What you don't think there's a program? J.P. Morgan miss miss. You know, not to spooze down five points. I mean, you know, and and put some uh, bids in lower. So it's just, you know, I mean, yeah, they overshoot. Yeah, we make fun of them. Yeah, different things that happen. But, you know, these institutions are not, you know, I don't know what kind of trading systems they have. But if they're looking at their 200-day moving average, they don't care. And then a lot of them don't stick, you know, don't don't stick out to, you know, they they make stands, but they make stands based on their paychecks. So a lot of things going on. Um, I, I I remain to I will stick with you on this and I, this hope that that, you know, that number that we got was the peak one. Problem is, is we don't know for another month and we have an earnings season to, to ride out. And right now. If you take Delta, J.P. Morgan, and Morgan Stanley, we're not off to a good start. And Micron, so, you could really say, was you know the end of last earnings season, but kind of started it here too. And their earnings weren't great either. I love the response to it, you know, which is why you know I started buying some stocks, mm-hmm. and especially buying tech stocks. But with that being said, it's still very early. We don't have a hell of a lot of information here yet because just because they buy a couple of stocks on bad reports doesn't mean they're going to continue to buy it. Like I said, very important today that JP Morgan holds on. They start hammering this thing. That's, you know, scary. And Morgan Stanley is holding up here fairly well this morning, but it's tough. I mean, we got Citigroup tomorrow, Wells Fargo tomorrow, uh, UNH. We had Taiwan Semiconductor overnight, which is helping the chips, which maybe we could touch on that too. Uh, but it's a difficult market to really find the reason to get bullish. I want to get bullish. The stocks have gotten a lot cheaper, but they're still not cheap. All right, let's go towards that TSM here. Yeah. Let's take a look. EPS coming here at a dollar and fifty-five, beating the dollar and forty-seven estimate. Sales coming in at eighteen point two five, beating the eighteen point two um, estimate there. And guidance was put in here. Um, they expect Q3 uh, full year 2022 sales at 19.8 billion and 20.6 billion, higher than the consensus consensus of 19.21 billion. So raising the guidance there. The the chips, I I, I kind of like the chips. I bought some more AMD in the long term portfolio. I bought some more Micron in the long term portfolio. Basically, just bringing my dollar cost average down on two companies that I started partial positions. And AMD was a full position. Micron was a third of a position. Now I have two-thirds of a full-size position in Micron. Uh, AMD is back to a full-size position because the stock went down. (laughs) And now I brought it back to a full-size position. So I've been buying some chips here. Um, But again, same thing. It's just such a tough market to... You know, it seems like you buy something, you're up for a couple of days, maybe even a week or two, and then eventually they pull the rug out from under and you're down again. So I'm nibbling more on the long-term portfolio, trying to get away. It was 52% cash at one time, down to 32% cash in the long-term portfolio. So using some of that dry powder, but at the same time, I'm still getting punished in that long-term portfolio. Uh just for the price action here, of course, it's already been heavily traded. The news, um, if you're looking for a target on the upside, uh, look at 8367. 
Uh, we've kind of been leaking since then. Uh, if it starts to give some back, uh, I don't have anything exactly at 82 here for you, but that's kind of where you had um, a series of highs. So if it holds 82 or you you know want to try a lower risk long, see if it gets down to 82, uh, then can uh, move higher. But uh, nice little move, but has leaked 70 cents off the pre-market high. And this is the market we're in. Like sell the rip again. Buy the dip has been working a little bit. Sell the rip has worked better. I keep saying it. Sell the rip has worked better in 2022 than buy the dip worked in 2020. I mean, the selling the rip has just been the trade of 2022. It's the exact opposite. Just take your mirror. It's the exact opposite of 2020. It's a de-risking environment and you get these rips on. And last earnings season, we saw it again and again and again. Stocks pop up on good earnings. They stay up for a day or two and then they pull the rug out from under it and just slaughter the stocks. So, I mean... This is the market environment that we're in. If you're chasing stocks that are rising, you're often losing money. Now, does that mean Taiwan Semiconductor is going to go back down today? No. Does that mean I'm going to buy it when it's trading green? No. So I'm just being cautious. And, you know, I like the chips. I think that the chips, you know, I, I think there's value in some of them here. So I have been adding. NVIDIA is still a little bit pricey. AMD's come down to a reasonable valuation, in my opinion. Micron has been at a reasonable valuation for a while. But if we go into recession, you know, these stocks can go lower. So it all depends on. Got some uh, breaking news starting to hit the got? tape here. Breaking news, guys. Uh, Twitter platform down. Um, like no one can get it to work right now. They're reporting it. They're going crazy out there right now because uh, I don't know if you can get yours to work, Dennis. I know I couldn't get mine to work. So. Uh, the chat may, may be confirming if anybody can get their Twitter it's to work Rogers. right now. Uh, it's probably Rogers. It's probably Says, Rogers. We didn't realize Rogers was the backbone of Twitter. It's probably Rogers down again. Just Canada runs but, Twitter, you know. And that's just the way it goes. One thing to say is, okay, let's talk. Yeah, it just says retry. World's a no better tweet. place. But the one world's thing to say, a better Twitter place is getting hit on Joel. this. Bring up the Twitter chart, Joel. Yes, sir. Yeah. But one thing to say, Jim Cramer, we had Karen Feinerman, great call, K-Fi off CNBC. She bought some calls on it a couple of days ago. She just thought that she they've got a case. She shorted it a while ago, too. And we've been building it, too. We've been saying the same thing. They've got a case. You know, there's a there's a non-zero chance. We said this three days ago. Non-zero chance that this could go off the board of 5420. They could force Musk to buy it. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think there could be a compromise. But they've got a case. Kramer is making the same argument last night. He's like, they've got a case. Kramer's thinking that Twitter could win. I think Twitter could win too. So this is, you know, far from over. There's 18 points of upside if they make Musk swallow out of 54.20. Um, there's probably a good 10, 12 points of downside if Musk can get out and just pay, you know, a billion dollar breakup fee. So we don't know what the outcome of this is going to be. But there's some, you know, there, there's, you know, from a risk guard perspective, it, it starts to make sense in the mid-35, 36. And Kramer says it's a buy here, too. And I'm not going to argue with him. I don't think it's going back to 40, 45 anytime soon. But this gets down to, like, the 34, 33. From a risk guard perspective, as long as we don't get other information, I think, you know, it, it starts to get more attractive. So I kind of agree with Karen Feynman. I kind of agree with Jim Kramer. I think I'm a buyer of Twitter on dips just from a risk guard perspective because this is going to go on for a long time. And I think they got a good case. Wow, what if he gets stuck with that at fifty four twenty? Holy, they mackerel. they totally could. I mean, you sign I mean, him off. How much it's, money would he lose? 
I mean, wow. he's going to be mean, paying it out. I mean, it's, it's unfixable. It I mean, it, it's it's an unfixable platform. I mean, there's nothing, you know, it, it's, just, it's broken. It's broken. It is. It's out it's, of control. There's a lot of users. There's some value in Twitter. You know, you, uh, Sean Udall on this show lots of times that he thinks their value even without Musk in the 30s. I would disagree with that. I think there's, you know, uh, I think the market has just repriced risk. I think without Musk, this is a twenty dollars stock. But I think they're kind of. I think there's a good possibility that he's going to have 17. to buy this company, maybe at a discounted price. But I don't think he's getting. I don't think he's going to pay. And some people saying he's just going to pay the billion dollar breakup fee and he's going to get out of this. I don't think it's going to be that simple. I back when Twitter was when I read to I'm a long position when it labored at 16 and 17 and 18 I really saw a lot of value in the company I really thought that if it was run correctly the flow of information bringing things you know together communication I really thought that it it had a lot of potential and that's why I made the investment in but what it's turned out to be is just a cesspool. It is. It's turned out really. There, there's a lot out, of good. It, it's like it, it allows perception. people to do to do things that they would never do in real life. That's social media in general, though. Yeah, and I that's mean, why. That's on, all I, social media. I think this is an important note that Joe's mentioning there. One thing that I'm thinking is coming into this area is a bunch of regulation. We've been seeing more and more regulation um, in social media. And I think that you're going to continue seeing that. So that could deteriorate the value that you see in, let's say, Twitter's data, right? A lot of people talk about, well, Elon wants to use the data for this and this. um, And that's why he wants the company. But in my eyes, I think the regulation is going to really start coming in here and trying to protect personal data. And so uh, I don't know how much the value really is left in Twitter after that. But you're getting data on 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 fake people, on bots. What good what what good is that information? You're not getting true information. You're getting information that people want you to have. But Anyways, data sets it up from a risk-reward ratio. This is going to go on for years. This is going to go on for a really long time, the way courts and the hearings go and everything. So, um, you know, that's when you said if, if Musk, you know, pulls out, you thought it'd be, you know, 25, 30 bucks. I didn't think it would get, I didn't think it would get that low. Uh, but I think if Musk pulls out, like Musk pulled out, but we didn't say, I said if the deal is off, there's a big okay. difference between Musk pulling off and the deal off. This is not Musk pulling off. This is now a fight. So Musk wants out, but he ain't getting out. If the deal was just off and they said it's over and Twitter says we're out too, I think Twitter isn't a $25 stock. I think it's a $20 stock. I'm, I'm lowering that now to 20 <laughs> Lower your price. Lower. Who, who if could... the deal, if they get out and it's just a billion-dollar breakup fee, I think Twitter could be a $20 stock. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be that simple. I think that there's a possibility that he might even have to buy this company. This gets to the courts. You signed a deal. I mean, what kind of precedent are you setting that you can get out of a deal just because, oh, there's a few more bots than we thought? I mean, you signed the deal, buddy. So I just think <laughs> it's not going to be that easy for us. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have the buyback guarantee, right? Uh, you can't You can't return it right now. Uh, let's go. Let's get out of Twitter. Let's go towards... Um, what's going to come up? I think it's important. Well, Dennis, you got um, 
You got yeah, about you might two minutes go, to PPI. Go wide. So PPI yeah, is better go wide. It's going to be another wild that. number. All right, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, so you're getting economic data that's going to hit the tape right now. At the same time, you'll get PPI and initial jobless claims. We'll be watching to see what happens in PPI. Expected year over year is 10.7. Year over year in the core is 8.2. Uh, the I'll be back. producer price index I'll for the back. final demand increase 0.8% in May. Um, so we're going to be watching how that kind of comes over to June. Of course, PPI is a measure of inflation from the perspective of the producers. Um, we got CPI yesterday, and that rose 9.1. We'll be talking all about this coming on up, of course, with Blue Putnam, Managing Director and Chief Economist from CME Group. So I see in the chat, everyone's asking, where's Blue? Where's Blue? He's coming on up. I'm sure he's going to be watching the numbers hit the tape like we are here. And then we'll go ahead and dive on in. Now, All right. Um, well, we got to go to the one minute again, right? Uh, just yeah, uh, just for fun. Definitely... I mean, I'm not going to jump the gun like I did last time there. Oh. Um, you'll see the players um, make their move, the anticipatory players that just want to wreck the book. You'll see them make a move in about uh, 30 seconds. And then we're going to wait. And then the data comes out right at the top of the hour. And then it takes a few minutes to discern it. So the, uh, the gamblers are going to take their shot here. The spoos are probably, or the spies are probably going to go. They went three candles wide yesterday, according to Dennis. So that's 30 candles wide in the S and P. We are looking live at the S and P's. The first knee-jerk reaction up there, some uh, some buyers. Let's see what happens. Still nothing yet. They pumped it up. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. Doesn't seem very good. Back on the lows of the session. Up and down and all, all right, around. There we got we got month over month at 0.4 versus the 0.5 estimate. Prior was 0.5 there. So a little bit down there, coming in a little weaker than expected there. It's a good sign. Weaker there. than expected? Lower than expected. So that's good. Not hot there, at, at least for June 0.4 versus the 0.5 estimate. Prior was 0.5. That's month over month. Okay. Okay. Well, you had to jump. Here's the other in number the... here. Still, still quiet. Made a new low at 42 even. That's right in the area of last week's low. Uh, kind of the number I thought we were going to be seeing yesterday, but we didn't see that. Uh, so no luck. We're still holding last week's low. That that's, the, that's the that's the, uh, the best thing. That's the best thing I could give you is that we are holding last week's low. Now we're catching a little bit of a bid. So it looks Not like much. core came in lower. And so that was a good sign showing that inflation's a little bit topping there. Um, PPI over month over month was uh, came in a little bit hot. Uh, came in at 1.1 versus 0.8%. Uh, prior was at 0.9 month over month. Okay, so overall, uh, a dip. Uh, now we're getting a little bit of a rip, uh, 59 to quarter, 42. What I liked about, you know, uh, 42, that was the number that I was looking for yesterday. Uh, we didn't quite get it. 
Um, we did get it today. It's a little bit of a rally, but nothing, certainly nothing to write home about. We just ticked over 3760. Sellers come right back in. So no, nothing to write home about. Um, I guess we can uh, bring Blue on here in a few minutes. But uh, overall, you know, I don't know. They sure did it. They sure did like this number as much as uh, it was, the PPI was above estimates. So what was the good part? This number of it, is Mitch? not as important, remember, as CPI either. So I mean, you're not going to get the crazy CPI reaction. It's one point one versus the point nine. I think is what I just saw go by. So slightly elevated. You were quoting the the ex food, I believe, number there. Uh, the core right you've got up there. Core, core. and the yes. and the regular. The core went go, down 1. there. 1. So you've got it up there now. It's the one point one versus point eight. You kind of there. I mean, it wasn't too hot. It wasn't too not. So it's kind of there. We're chopping around. Buy the dip, sell the rip, short the rip, buy the dip. I mean, we're going to be choppy. The question you is, what. again, we're going to go back into earnings. We're coming back to the earnings season. I think we chop around a little bit here, but we still analyze today. It's about the bank earnings. They weren't great here this morning. And it's that response to the bank earnings that we need to see after 930. So JP Morgan has started to come up a little bit here. Morgan Stanley is trying to go green. I mean, it's only down 30 cents here now. So, you know, that's good news. The bad news, overseas markets are sold off. The bad news is catching a bit here. Are down We're catching here a bit a little bit. Value we got to prove we can hold 37.60. If we can hold 37.60 here. The low I from yesterday. You, well, the, the low, okay. Well, that was the interday low. Uh, we just briefly touched last week's low, catching a little bit. I mean, they didn't, they didn't whoop it. They still did take out last week's low by, by a, a wide margin. So I'm going to get rid of this one minute chart here. Cause I hate looking at the one minute chart and uh, we want to bring blue on a minute early is blue in the yeah. blue room. Oh, he's always ready. I, I know him. He's ready. Let's go ahead. Let's start diving on in here. We're going to bring on Blue Putnam, Managing Director and Chief Economist at CME Group. You guys in the chat, I've been seeing you guys talk about Blue. Hit the like. Let's get it started. All right. Bringing on Blue here. Let's go ahead. Let's dive on in. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine. Great day. Great day there in the Windy City, huh? All right. Well, um, let's uh, let's first talk about yesterday's number. And uh, I emailed you afterwards and I said, uh, you know, is this is the peak? And you said, gasoline, maybe. But uh, you're still worried about other components. Break down the report from yesterday, the reaction, and then we'll get to today's report. Okay, so yesterday was the consumer price index, definitely the headline over the producer price. Um, I'm really more worried about the July data coming out in August than the June data that just came out. Um, and that's why it's interesting uh, that the headline year-over-year uh, -year number could very well be at a peak. Uh, and that's just because gasoline prices are down 6 or 7% since they took that survey in June. So, you know, that'll... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.
help bring it off the headline number down. The problem is that in core, the uh, the all important rent component that makes up almost thirty percent of the CPI. It's up zero point seven percent, give or take, from uh, last month, and it's pretty steady at that level. Uh, so that means, by the way, 0.7, if you multiply that by 12 and compound it, you're really talking almost 9% inflation. Uh, so that's, uh, you get this interesting situation where the headline number might have peaked or be very close to the peak, but the core number is still going to be grinding a little bit higher. And that's, uh, you know, that's going to give the Fed a big headache. So what's that headache? What's uh, what's the next move? I mean, it, you know, it's time to go uh, a full stick at the at the next meeting. I mean, slow and steady with 0.75. I mean, do they just need to just stick a fork in this market and make the big the big <laughs> jump? Well, the uh, the federal funds futures did move after that uh, CPI number, and they're 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 not quite pricing in a, a full one percent. Uh, rise at the at the meeting in late July. Their price the the the, the price is a point nine percent, you know, so it's like a forty percent uh, chance of a one percent and a sixty percent chance, give or take, of a three quarter. So it's not quite pricing it in. But it if you don't get the one percent uh, this meeting, and you probably will get the three quarter, I don't know, uh, you know, then then you're really pricing in two, three quarters in a row and then and then some more increases after that. Uh, what has changed is the peak rate is a little bit is like between three and a half and three seven five, and that occurs by the end of the year. Uh, so not only did uh, we worry about you know raising rates a little faster, but we uh, we increased the the anticipated peak rate according to federal funds futures. Now, one thing that I saw in yesterday's CPI is how much energy was really kind of a, a lot of the reason why we had that inflation. Um, I know it was about 50% of what I saw. What did you see in CPI that really stood out in, in oil? And I also have heard that CPI is taken in the first two weeks. Can you maybe confirm this, Blue? Yeah, it really is. It's a early to mid-month survey. Uh, so, you know, we're, uh, what we've seen already in July in gas prices is what's going to reflect in next month's number. And, it, and you know, it's going to be down, uh, on the gasoline about 6% for the month. Okay. Uh, so that, you know, that's going to, that's going to be a big influence on, on the headline number, but then all the core numbers are still going to grind higher. Uh, and, and, you know, the core is really, I, I know we kind of make fun of the core, you know, the Fed looks at the core, you know, you don't heat your house, you don't drive your car, you don't eat, you know, but, but uh, you know, it really is true that the food and energy are highly volatile and over time they converge. So the food and energy, particularly the energy has been outpacing core and now it's going to slow back down and they'll converge, um, but at an elevated rate, that's going to be way higher than the Fed can handle. So, uh, you know, this, this move toward raising rates is still intact. Now, with commodities like, let's say, wheat, corn, soybeans, a lot of these have some seasonality effect. Do you do you see this actually increasing maybe inflation as we go into winter? Or did, was this recent drop just more of kind of the demand destruction? 
Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a lot of it's the demand destruction. We are uh, I mean, commodity prices have come down a lot in the last month or two. Uh, it's led by copper. You know, we call copper Doctor Copper because it's it's such a good uh, predictor of uh, what's going on in the global economy, and that's really China slowing down. Uh, you know, they they have a couple more COVID cases. Uh, you know, they, there's there's just a lot of challenges there. The other thing that when you look at oil and gasoline and things like that, we, we typically in the past, you know, oil, what happened in the oil market, supply and demand was was really more, more important. And then you backed out what gasoline would be. It's really changed now because the shortage that we have is a shortage of refineries and refineries are, are almost at full capacity. Um, and so they can't take any more oil. Uh, and then the other thing that's happened in the oil market, Russia is producing way more oil than uh, than was thought possible, and they're having no problem selling it to China and India uh, at a huge discount. Uh, but it means that if China and India are buying more Russian oil, they're not buying uh, Western oil. Uh, so the oil market, the dynamics have really changed quite a bit. I mean, prices are, are a good bit off in oil. They're off in gasoline. They're off in copper. They're off in oil. A lot of commodities. So this is this is good news uh, for for inflation. It's not it's although it does tell you the global economy is slowing down. Okay, now one thing that I've been seeing mentioned and we saw it with Yenin about the cap of Russian oil. How will this affect inflation? Yeah, it's hard to say until we see what they really how they implement that. it is a very, very difficult concept to implement. I mean, China and Russia are going to do what they want to do. They're already bargaining super hard with Russia to get oil at a huge, like a $30, $40 discount. Uh, so I, I don't think that's a big deal for the market. It might be symbolic, but I don't think it's going to be a big deal on prices. I was just looking at all before these reports and looking at like all all the different commodities and where they had uh, they had come in and that you know was being a little bit more optimistic. Uh, so, but you're saying that it takes a little bit longer time to 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 filter through what you know the these prices coming down. Is that I mean before you said uh, when we had you on I think a month or so ago you said uh, five to six months it really takes to flow through. Um, do you think we're still, could you knock a month off that now, you know, with what you're seeing in the commodity prices, or you still going to say, you know, stick with that, that, you know, that far well, out? It, it varies, you know, like something like gasoline is going to hit it next month. Uh, but copper, corn, those kind of things, uh, take a little longer to work through. So yeah, we're still really talking five or six months to completely work through. But you'll see the first effects in July only on the headline number. You know, and when you're looking at the PPI, which came out today, you got to think about profit margins for companies because that's what they're paying for a lot of their input prices. And of course, wages are still rising. So the the issue there is less about inflation and a little more about uh you know, are we going to get some more margin compression in in the equity market? And just from your observations, you've been a market veteran, you know, for quite some time. And, uh, you know, the popular mantra is, you know, that over the long run equities, you know, outperform and, you know, that goes through these, uh, these kind of cycles. Um, 
compared to the, you know, do you think we maybe dug a little bit deeper hole this time with what we had to do regarding the pandemic and uh, now the geopolitical situation? Maybe we've, uh, we've, we've dug, like I said, dug a hole a little bit deeper than those times and we may not come out of it. Well, we certainly dug a pretty deep hole, particularly in a lot of individual stocks. I mean, some of them were just crushed uh, way more than the indexes. So you've got a, uh, you, you dug a deep hole. So then, you know, the question is, which, uh, you know, my, my uncle always told me, Blue, you, you're in trouble. You, are you still digging? <laughs> because you got to stop digging if you want to get out of that hole. And, uh, you know, the, we're still, uh, you know, the Ukraine war is not going away, but I think most of the damage in the U.S. coming from oil prices has been done now. In Europe, that's a whole nother story because we still don't know what's going to happen in natural gas prices over there in the winter and what Russia is going to do. So, you know, we're still digging a little bit over there in terms of hurting the economy, but higher natural gas. But most everything else we've reversed. You know, we've re we're not doing fiscal stimulus anymore. The Fed's actually, it really is starting to shrink its balance sheet. It's down about 30 billion from the peak. Not a lot, but it's shrinking. Uh, interest rates are going up. And this is going to mean a very, very different equity market. You know, the last four equity rebounds, recoveries, rallies, whatever you want to call them, they got started by super low rates. Uh, the last couple had the Fed behind them buying assets. Uh, none of that's going to be true this time around. So it, it's one thing to call the bottom of this market, but another thing, uh, it's going to have, you know, bigger dips, uh, more volatility, and take much longer to grind higher if, if you're looking at the headwinds coming from interest rates and, and the Fed withdrawing the, the uh, you know, moving from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening, which I think is pretty important. Why no. should we, should we just, uh, you know, just throw all this stuff out the window, throw out the, the CPI, the PPI data earnings and everything, and just, you know, swallow the bullet. And until the buck stops going up, it stops being so strong, then this is just, you know, the market's just going to head lower and lower. Well, I'd be careful about talking about the dollar. I mean, the dollar generally it's really telling you that the U.S. is the place people want to put money uh, rather than in Europe or Japan, the big the big other big currencies. Uh, it will impact reported earnings uh, of, of these multinational companies, but they hedge these. They manage their risk. It's not so clear that the economic impact of uh, a strong dollar is all that much on the S&P 500, uh, just because these companies are pretty sophisticated in how they manage that that currency risk. So, you know, just because the dollar's up 20% against the euro, you know, doesn't mean that their earnings are in Europe are going to go down that much. It's really a very, very different okay. thing. All right. Thank you for joining us today. Blue Putnam, Managing Director and Chief Economist at CME Group. Like always, the chat loving you, and we always love you for coming on. Thank you for <laughs> uh, joining us today. Thank you. All right, let's keep going with the topics. We haven't touched Tesla today. Uh, Tesla's director of AI, Andre Kaparzi, announcing departure in a tweet. I actually have that tweet for us so that we can take a look at that. Let's go ahead. I'll put it up on the screen here. 
Um, let me put it full screen. Let me actually put the charts in the back there. Um, so it's been a great pleasure to help Tesla towards its goals over the last five years and difficult decision to part ways. In that time, Autopilot graduated from lane keeping to city streets. And I look forward to seeing the exceptionally strong Autopilot team continue that momentum. I, I'm How do you feel this will affect the, the stock? stock didn't get hit on this? I'm very surprised the stock didn't get hit on this because they're completely shrugging it off. I mean, it's down exactly what the QQQ is down, down less than the S&P. Um, you know, another key, we've lost a few key execs at Tesla. So I would have thought, uh, and when that headline broke, the stock did come in a little bit. Charles squawked and the stock came in three or four bucks, but now obviously it's right in line with the S&P and, or it's right in line with the Qs and trading stronger than the S&P. So you can see the market is just shrugging this off completely. So I'm surprised at that. Um, you know, with that being said, Tesla's its own animal, does its own thing. So linked up with, you know, obviously, you know, being such a big component in the Qs the and the S&P at this point yeah. in time. Um, this headline's just not being, and obviously there's a lot of other headlines here today, so it's just not getting any love. Well, there was, uh, he went on sabbatical. Uh, and so maybe, I don't know how the stock reacted when it was announced that he went on sabbatical. So maybe it did get hit then, right? So, but uh, look at this, look at this Tesla chart here, and it's it's in the middle of no man's land. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're 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 off that low, that January, uh, that June low, and and you're off that uh, recovery high, and you're just you're trying to decide here whether to hold seven hundred and just blast off and take out that seven fifty and test eight hundred, or our sellers are gonna, you know, they 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 way step down here. They step down here, and now they're kind of hanging out at, at seven fifty. So I don't know. Figure that exact number there. I'm just gonna throw seven hundred out uh, over the next couple days and show you know show support there. Get a bid. Go take out seven fifty. If uh, can't hold seven hundred over the next couple days, you know, let's take a look at six fifty. Of course, a lot market dependent, right? Uh, being the big part of the S and P, so driving it. And when I when I do my uh, daily wraps, they're they're either the biggest percentage gainer or the biggest percentage loser, almost like every other day. So. That's what I'm looking at uh, technically in Tesla. QQQ, Tesla chart, virtually identical. So, I mean, again, you know, all these stocks trade together. It's all relationships. Like if I'm buying the markets, I'm buying Tesla shares. I'm short in the market. I'm short in Tesla shares. And it takes a major headline to move it away from that. So um, this headline, obviously, just not major enough to really have any influence on the stock, at least at this point in time. Hey, Tesla was a thousand bucks when he started with this Twitter stuff. You don't, you don't think that he that he regrets, you know, doing that and getting in that. Oh yeah, this started. It, oh, for sure, Joel, he yeah. regrets it. He obviously regrets. It. He's trying to get out of the deal. <laughs> and if he was to get out of the deal with only a billion dollar breakup fee, Tesla stock would rally. Oh yeah, Tesla stock, you know, had the rally the day that Musk said it was up twenty bucks. As Musk says he's out. And then everybody realized, oh, just because Musk says he's out doesn't mean he's out. And that's why Tesla sold off so wickedly that day because, man, they're like, this could get a lot uglier. It isn't even about negotiation and a lower price anymore. It's about Twitter maybe trying to stick it to him at 54.20. And if that happens, Tesla stock is going to go down. So you're right. There's an inverse correlation with this Twitter deal and Tesla, 100%. Wasn't it a thousand bucks when it started? Yeah, it was a thousand bucks. And it sold off that, that next day. Remember the next day, it yeah. over a hundred points on this. 
because it's they're worried about dilution they're worried about he's got to raise the money from something they're worried about twitter's going to take some of musk's time there's lots of there's no reason a tesla shareholder will want uh, musk to own twitter there's absolutely no benefit to that you'll lose mu- some time of musk you're going to you know potentially he's got to sell stock to raise the capital to be able to do the deal I mean, there's absolutely no benefit to Tesla shareholders for this deal to go through. So the Tesla shareholders are cheering for this, for Musk to get out and only pay the billion-dollar breakup fee. That's the best-case scenario for uh, Tesla shareholders. Well, we're going to continue in the auto manufacturers. I saw that General Motors just got news uh, released about 11 minutes ago. Uh, General Motors and Pilot Company uh, plan to install EV chargers at 500 Pilot and Flying J locations along U.S. highways. The chargers, about 2,000 in total, would be installed and operated by EVGO. Uh, starting next year so is that of course, trade match evgo is that yes a, evgo does what, trade what's the symbol on that evgo make it life easy right Look easy. How that's... yeah for once oh, this is a good <laughs> symbol oh wow this has been a great stock too Same and it could possibly those. be affecting the relationship right of charge point so right now i don't see it moving too much but i'll be watching it's up four percent so that's getting a little yeah. lift on this i mean yeah. the stock has been EVgo. hammered it's the same story. Like you start to go up a little bit there and you just think eventually there's a rug pull happening. What was the stock the other day? And we were like saying if it got up to five, that's probably. <laughs> oh, you know that That's one. G-O-E-V. Man, yeah, that you get, I, I know Justin in the chat is saying how much money I lose everybody in the chat. I believe it was Justin. But Justin, Don't worry, I, Dennis, I, I you can got come and trade for me dead, any day. Dead, <laughs> dead right. I said when it was 470, I was like, it gets up anywhere near five. It's kind of a wall of resistance. The high that day was five bucks right on. I called it to the bloody penny. So, anyways, obviously I make some bad calls. I wish I could make I wish I could be right a hundred percent of the time. I really do. But it's impossible. Snap. And in this game, you don't have to be right a hundred percent of the time. Heck, if your winners are bigger than your losers, you don't even have to be right fifty percent of the time. You just gotta cut the losers and obviously let your winners ride a little bit. And there's money to be made in this uh market. But some stuff is just like easier pickings and you know you get a stock trading up on a headline probably going to round into sellers where where is the likely point that this thing stalls out five and i hit it right on i mean obviously it's you know, not we do it five bucks it becomes marginal there's a lot of reasons for that optionality it's marginable there above five it's just a wall of resistance there five let's go and take your time would, uh, uh technically two there was you, you i remember i was looking at it and i just i don't know i don't think this is going to get to five bucks and then we put that line in because it had all those uh those daily highs in there and uh and what was it the other crazy stock that was moving the other day like plxr or something like that on drug news yeah, what was the, I, I what think was you that got one? It dead on i think it's is that all right i mean those things i like to see where it's at Gotta sell the reps on this uh, stuff. Yeah, I mean it's just yeah. Oh, this one's been a little bit more tame coming down so far. Wow. I, I think it's well, it's in the it's old. in the hot industry, right? And it's yeah, in biotech. Yep. And so yep. uh, I think cool. that's what's holding it up. If you see biotechs take a hard downturn, names like this could take a hard downturn. Yeah, but there's also. a I mean there's there's patient seller in there right yes. now. And 100%. that that's yeah, uh, hanging that's on. Little, that's for pl- sure. client therapeutics okay all right let's go uh, and uh do a little quick ticker time some people sure. are bringing up some banks so let's take a look at that let's look at the wells far low or wells fargo whichever one you want to call it um let's take a look 
reports tomorrow. So down obviously <laughs> with the JP Morgan report. Very important that it holds a 36.54 low. JP Morgan just set the bar a lot lower for City and for Wells Fargo. Let's see what happens there tomorrow. People are expecting a little bit more from Wells Fargo. This is like the turnaround, trying to be the turnaround story of the banks. It's obviously been one of the laggards of all the banks for a very long time. Um, again, though, with JP Morgan mi- missing. So now the bar is a little bit lower. But let's see. Let's see what happens tomorrow. It's hard to make a technical call on something day before it reports earnings. Yeah. I, well, to put it this way. Uh, just from a market structure standpoint, uh, f- down a buck on uh, 50,000 shares in Wells Fargo, I ain't selling it down here. I don't know if I'd be, you know, hopping out to buy it. Got a little gap fill right here in the lower 38 handle, uh, 38.36. But if you are just piling in on this one and you're shorting it, it just keep, if, you know, opens, let's say right here, 38.15, and it you short it and it's not offered at 38 with size and going down, then you better have your stop in going back up. I could see this getting a little bit of a pop. What's the bottom of yesterday's range? They, that's not even that far away, 38.41. So taking a look. And this is not their earnings. This They're getting hit on uh, the other banks' earnings. There's, there's still yet. There could be still some optimism for Wells Fargo. But uh, that's what I'm looking at. Let's get a quick look at Morgan Stanley. Um, oof, pre-market low is looking it's looking safe for right now. Trying to hold up. It, it is, just like the spoos are. And we're still above last week's low. I mean, it's, and we nicked it. 37.44 mm-hmm. was a number I thought we, 37.44 was a number I thought we were going to get to yesterday. We didn't. We got there on the PPI number. So I'm still going to try and have a little bit of a bullish camp on here, but I'm only, I'd only given it 10 points. You take out that pre market low. Hands are off on the downside. We're going to have one of those, you know, 800, 1,000 point down days. But uh, see if the Bulls uh, defend last week's low. Simple as that. Let's go take a look at Google before the split, right? Tomorrow, tomorrow. So, Uh, Trader Upright pointing out to me, like, this is not um, running up into the split at all. And obviously, we saw with Amazon was textbook Mm -hmm. split action. Overall, it's tough because the market's been selling off Different. and it's so related yep. to the market. I mean, you bring up the Google chart and you bring up the SPY chart and they're virtually identical too. There's just so much arbitrage that goes on between these stocks and the index when they're that big of components that it's hard to you know move away from that. But absolutely, it has not run up in the split at all. You wonder if today isn't the day where maybe they know they start to buy just ahead of the split. I believe it's post-split tomorrow, Mitch. Is it tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow's the date, and then on Monday is when it'll become effective. Oh, it's Monday. It's going to be so. effective. Okay, yeah. so Monday's the effective day. So I mean, it's act- just—it's not the same dynamic like when Apple and Tesla did their splits. You know, it was a rip, roaring bull market. Rah, 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 yeah, market environment, right? Yeah, it's important just, uh, to think about. Yeah, what are they doing? Twenty for one. I believe it's twenty for one. Yeah, let, yeah. Me, let me go ahead and roll yeah, back. I believe you're right. It might yeah. be ten for one, but I think it's twenty. Twenty for one too. I own the stock long term, had it in there forever, not selling it. Average cost basis is two hundred and fifty dollars. So I'd I guess I'm gonna that, be back to even them or less, it'll be one twenty five. <laughs> I'd point that Amazon because everyone used to always say, but when Amazon does a split, but when Amazon does a split, I want it. 
it hasn't shown that up, at least from what I see on the daily charts on this Amazon. This is everything, though. Like, people giving me heat for my Disney purchase. I mean, anything you buy and the market falls 15 to 20% and you're long, the odds are your stock is probably going down. I think, you know, who was it the other day saying there's like 8% of stocks are above their 200-day moving average. I think it was Josh Brown. I don't know if that number's right or something. Well, well, like well, you, you know I always talk I about our, our, our market breadth. I can give you that. So above and below the SMA 200, 13.3% of stocks are in the bullish range. Uh, 86.7% of stocks are in the bearish. 87 out of 100. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a long-only trader... You're struggling. If you're a long-only investor, I'm a long-only investor. In all likelihood, anything you've bought in the last six months, there's a good possibility you're down in it. You know, you might have caught one of those 13, but I mean, even the people who are all in the oil stocks and killing it and saying how awesome it was, they've all been beat up there too. I mean, investing, if you're a long-only investor and the market's going down, it doesn't mean you're necessarily a bad investor. It doesn't necessarily mean you're bad calls. You're just in a bad environment. Now, trading is a completely different animal. You've got to be able to make monies in bull markets. You've got to be able to make monies in, in bear markets. You've got to pay the bills. So you've got to be able to go both ways. And you've got to be able to short stocks, I think, if you're a full-time trader. If you're all and only, you're going to get killed in these years. So I hedge. We know I trade market neutral. I invest long only. I trade market neutral. The trading this year has been fantastic. It's been a fantastic year. I'm sure Virtue is killing it, too, over there. Lots of volatility. Lots of action. I've thrown up my trading numbers for the last three quarters or for the last three months. They've been excellent numbers again. Uh, but the investing is tough. My investment portfolio is down. I have a lot of cash. So it's maybe not down to the overall market. But there you go. Great perspective. This is here, three man. months. The last three months. So I wanted so, to say so Merck. I own Merck. Oh, yay. You know, I could say, oh, yeah, I own Merck. I'm doing really well. But you know what? I own Apple. I own Google. I own some Meta now. I own Amazon now again. I mean... It's a tough market. So navigate that from a long-only perspective. Good luck. Yeah. Look at that Merck hanging up there, too. I got it. Lily, too. I haven't owned it as long as you, Dennis, but, man, that's it. That's impressive. And Lily, too. I guess there's... There's there's some strength in the sector, huh? Are they gonna are they gonna come after these stocks, Dennis? They come up everything else. Look I, at I'm that. scared they are, Joel. Yeah, and I would be cautious. I'm long Merck. Had it in my portfolio. I believe I bought Merck in 2011. Wow. We've talked about that before, and I bought it at 32 dollars. And again, I talk about this with the Disney. You know, I think eventually I'm going to make money on that Disney, but I believe my cost basis on Merck is about 32 bucks. The stock went down to like 19 or 20 after I bought it. And I was like, it was a six, seven percent dividend back then. I was like, um, you know, aging population. I was like, just putting the value investor hat on, and eventually it worked out. And Eli Lilly was the same thing. I bought two major positions back in eleven and twelve. Eli Lilly and Merck. I've sold out of my Lilly. I sold out way too soon. It tripled for me, and I thought that was good. I think I bought it around thirty and it went to a hundred, and now the dang thing's three hundred. And you're like, man, you know, a triple, and it was a bad trade. But, I mean, sometimes <laughs> investing just takes time. If you buy good companies yeah, it's at tough. reasonable valuations and you're holding on for five to ten years, it we should go. work itself out, you hope. The, the, the key right, is I'm never gonna, look. Hey, I'm going to hop well, that, here. At the investing, Mitch, it's a great point. Joel, you can go. Mitch, it's a great point, though. I mean, and Joel does well just because he doesn't look. He doesn't look. That's the Joel Conan way I've learned. Just don't even look. Why are you looking? Just keep adding the money in there. It's and, about time and, and in the market, there telling not me good luck on Disney too. I mean, g- going to take years to make money in it. You know what, though? If you're investing and you're not on margin 
and you and you have years, you can invest for years. And trading mm-hmm. and and trading and investing is two different animals. And people keep asking me, why do you have an investment portfolio if you trade so well? Well, one, because I've been at Bray Trading for so long, I have prop margin, so I don't need the margin. So I can be yeah. making money over there too. And in the long run, you know, I've had some pretty good investing stocks over the long run. I mean, that's how you build wealth really over the long run is like investing in good companies of reasonable valuations. So I'm working my day job and then I'm investing my core money and helping that build too. So that's what's built my wealth over time as well. My trading has made me a lot of money, but I think my investing has actually done fairly well too. I mean, uh, I even think... if you're only doing six, seven, eight percent a year investing, it's just extra money on top of your trading. So I, I mean, think... it sucks in 2022, sure, when you watch your portfolio go down 15 or 20 percent. But you know, hell, I went through 2007, 2008. I went through you know the tech bubble burst, and it sucked in those years too. But when the dust settled, the stocks ended up going higher. Again, it depends on the stocks you're buying. But if you're buying companies at reasonable valuations. I do believe you make money over time. Warren Buffett approach. Yeah, I think the hard part there, Dennis, that a lot of investors face is when to sell and when to get out. Also, like sometimes the, the best trade thing is going not against to sell. you. You know, sometimes yeah. the best thing to do is not to sell, though. Sometimes if you're a long-term investor and you're buying good companies, the best things in my long-term Ride portfolio: Mastercard, Google, Apple, Q's, Spy. Majority of it. And the best thing, the worst thing I did was actually sell some of it. You know, that's that was the worst thing over time. I wish I had all my MasterCard that I originally bought at $13, but it went to like, you know, 30, 40, 100, 200. And, and, you know, and you lighten up, you lighten up. And now the thing's $323. And you say, oh, what a terrible stock because it's off from the highs from 399 to 323. But I mean, with the wealth built over time in MasterCard um, is, is very impressive. I wish I would have held it all. The Warren Buffett approach you know, to buying and holding does work. It sucks in 2022, but it has worked over the course of time. Maybe we're going to go in Japan. Maybe we're going to be down for 25, 30 years. You know, maybe that's going to happen. It's not off the table. It could happen, but I'm not banking on that. So that's why I continue to hold a long-term investment portfolio that I add some cash to when I'm nervous. You know, I brought it up to half cash, which is pretty much insane at my age, but it was a good call. Now I'm trying to reallocate it in there. Did I make a bad call on Disney? Sure. Spinner, are you going to get Disney at 50 or 60? Maybe you will. But Disney's trained 16 times earnings. Yeah. I mean, I, if I, it goes to 50 I or 60, the... maybe we go into a recession and they're going to start burning cash. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That's why. Even if they do, even if they do, it's Dennis, okay to be wrong. I think the point there is even if they do, do you expect that business to find its way back up? Hell yeah, I would expect. I would Disney bet on bigger. Disney over <laughs> betting on a lot of other companies. That's the important thing here, and I think having high quality names in a time like this, in the long term, will definitely benefit. Um, but like always, we won't know until you know a couple years out. And I think that the important thing is how far out is your horizon and how far you can go into some of these because this is an opportunity. We don't see too often bear markets. So I think this is an opportunity for the long run. The question is, how do you kind of slowly get in there versus putting in, I think, all the position at once? That's what I would be looking at. But it's always up to you guys to determine your risk assessment. And, and how much of this is Disney's fault versus just the market environment that we're in? You know, yeah. sometimes it's companies, you know, execution that's at fault. And, you know, you could say they've made some bad purchases and there's definitely been some of them in there. But, you know, the Fox assets, it probably wasn't a great purchase. 
Um, and, and obviously, you know, that's making, you know, the, the burning some cash maybe from that purchase. But I mean, I just think you've just got to separate it. And I mean, too many people cross the line and they let the trades become the investments. And that's, that's not the name of the dangerous. game. I tell you again, my trading portfolio goes flat. To, to, it goes to 100% cash every single day at 10 a.m. Every single day at 10 a.m. Unless, you know, there's really something going on. But for the most part, every single day at 10 a.m., 99% of the time, I'm 100% cash. So I know how I did. The investment portfolio is always somewhat invested. It's two separate accounts doing two separate things. I would never, ever let the trade become the investment where I'm like, oh, I've got to hold on to this. I can't get back. I've been in stocks that have gapped down 50% on me. And what do I do? I sell them that day as a trade. Now, if I bought in the investment portfolio, it's a different animal. You know, what's the reason? Has the reasons changed? Am I holding it? I cut losers in the long-term investment portfolio too. But you can't let those two things combine and let the trades, and this is where everybody goes around. Oh, now I'm a long-term investor. The trading account here, the investing account over here, keep them separate. Trading, and know what you know, hat you got on. Losers, get out. If the trend is your friend, everything Spinner is talking about there. Investing is a different animal. So, yeah, you can cut your losers in your long-term investment portfolio too, but I still think if you're buying reasonable companies at reasonable valuations, I think in the long term, you're going to be okay. Yep. And um, I would think in the long run, sometimes it's always just thinking about what, at least I've figured out that it's a lot of the Fed situation is going to determine the long term and you can get around that, you know, right. And like right now we're in quantitative tightening, but who's to say in two years from now, we're not back in quantitative easing and we get another ripping rally in the bull market. So I think you just keep that in mind. Don't fight the Fed. Um, Ned Davis always said that and don't fight the tape. We'll see what happens today. Have a good one, Dennis. Yeah, for sure, Mitch. Great job, buddy. All right, we're going to wrap on up, bring you guys over to live trading. Smash the like before you get on out of here, guys. There's too many times where you guys are not giving us your feedback. Really, that like button is a feedback. You guys can hit this like if you guys don't like the show. But please, of course, if you don't like the show, let us know why or how we can improve it. Also, when you hit that thumbs on up, what does that do? That helps us stay free and, and completely free here for you guys to go ahead and catch pre-market prep every single day. So do me the favor. Just give us the opinion, up or down, whichever way, or maybe it's a sideways. Maybe you think we did a neutral job today. But like always, we want your feedback because it's appreciated and it's how we get better. I'll see you guys next time. Smash the like and we'll get on out of here. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.